ships started getting stuck. And for example, the port of Mainz in Germany just became so crowded with these cruise ships which got stuck there that people started forming human chains and uh, were refusing to let these people off the ship because they were just saying, <laughs> we are sick of you guys. It's too many, it's too much, uh, go away. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about tour guides, tourism, and the future of travel. My name is Wouter Bernhardt. I'm a tour guide from Berlin, and currently I'm gauging how my fellow tour guides are navigating the pandemic. In today's episode, you'll hear from Michal Neje-Schleba, a tour guide from Bratislava in Slovakia. Now, Michal was in a bit of a different situation when we all had to quarantine, as he just became a father. Even if there wasn't any quarantine, my life wouldn't be that different because I was just uh, learning how to deal with my uh, new life as a father. For several years, Michal has been a tour guide on a river cruise ship that travels from Amsterdam to Vienna in about two weeks. So we speak a bit about what life is like on board one of these ships and what he thinks the future of this kind of travel will be like. Like uh, visiting crowded cities on a, well, what is basically a floating tub full of germs, which is what a cruise ship is. But first, Michal, tell me a bit about your name. I mean, whenever I'm speaking English, I go by Michael or Mike, so feel free to call me Michael. Ah, yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, yeah, so so what is what does your last name mean? Uh, my last name means literally translated, don't eat bread. <laughs> don't eat... Oh, yeah, chleb, <laughs> it's, it's bread. Yeah. Yes, yes. Do you know any Slavic languages? Just a little, little Cyrillic, just a tiny bit. Oh, I see. Yeah, chleb in Russian, it means uh, bread, and in Slovak, the same, yeah. And yes, it, it's the imperative of don't eat. So, yeah, don't eat bread. Why wouldn't you want to eat bread? Bread is delicious, man. Um, I agree. Uh I was trying to figure that out for the first 20 years of my life when I realized that everybody on my father's side of the family, where the name is coming from, really, really likes beer. And beer is the liquid bread. So, yeah, there you go. How is how Bratislava or how is Slovakia doing with, uh, with the whole crisis? Surprisingly well, uh, I have to say, which um, for me as a Slovak person is surprising. I have to say that because... Uh, we tend to chronically underestimate ourselves over here. We always like to say, oh, everything is crap here and uh, people are stupid and politicians are stupid and so on. Uh, yet, um, somehow we are being held up as the poster child for responsible behavior in this crisis. Let me just pull up the current numbers. But uh, we do have a population of 5 million in Slovakia. We managed to test 170,000 of that, which is not that much, but it's okay. But uh, really the surprising numbers are that we had only 1,500 infections and 28 deaths, and that is it. And I think what happened is a combination of two factors we had uh, new parliamentary elections uh, end of February, so the new government coming in basically had all of its political capital still there to push through some measures which I have I can tell you they are not popular people are complaining uh, and also very early on after we registered the first cases we had the government shut down borders and then even uh, you know enact um, quite strict measures really you know closing down all the restaurants all the shopping malls all the everything basically 
which was not essential, even mandating people to wear masks. And together with the Czech Republic, we were sort of leading the way in mask use where uh, many other countries were debating if they should be wearing them, if it's effective, or if they should save them for the medical professionals or whatever. Uh, we were immediately using them and even um, making our own. Uh, so it seems to have worked out quite well. Uh, besides, Slovakia is not really a hotspot of travel, so that must have helped as well. So so by now, I think everybody's pretty fed up with it. <laughs> People are gathering outside more and more. Uh, uh, pubs are opening up and so on. So now we are sort of looking at if it's finally going away or if it's just an interlude before the second wave. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about your clientele and sort of the, the work that you do, because you started at some point um, doing the green hat tours, doing mostly outdoors walk. But then at some point, I think you said you mentioned two seasons ago, uh, you started to do uh, cruise lines uh, from Amsterdam to Vienna, I believe it was over the river, uh, over the rivers, uh, let's say it like that. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about how that is how how long are you on such a on such a ship what do you do all that time where do you stop like give me a little bit of a, the run of a tour guide on on a cruise line those are river cruise ships and they are basically able to go all the way from amsterdam to the black sea and there's a lot of them i believe nowadays we have around 800 of them on the rivers they're all basically pretty much the same in terms of uh, size because the length is um, sort of limited by the docking spots, the width is uh, limited by the locks which they have to pass through and the height is limited by some of the bridges which you can find. So they're all pretty much the same except for the inside. And you have some really luxurious ones and some more basic ones. And uh, you get a clientele of mostly older, retired folks which can afford it because it's not a cheap way to travel. Uh, but it's a very convenient way to travel. I think the, the that's the most... Uh, thought after aspect of the whole thing that you, you you have your cabin you unpack once and then your cabin is moving around and you you every morning you draw back the curtain off from your of your cabin and you have a different scenery which is really nice and so I think people like that even they are willing to accept some lower levels of comfort compared to let's say hotels for the simple reason that yeah let's say for two weeks you don't have to unpack. And yeah, two weeks is um, how long it takes from Vienna to Amsterdam in our case. Um, every cruise line company does their trips in a bit of a different way. Some go a bit faster, some go a bit slower. Uh, our trip uh, lasts for a grand total of 15 days, starting in Vienna, going to Amsterdam. And where do we stop? Well, um, many, many places in between. I can give you a quick rundown, starting in Vienna, going to Melkassau. Uh, Regensburg, a little place called Kelheim, Nürnberg, Bamberg, Würzburg, uh, Wertheim, uh, oh, it's been a while, <laughs> Heidelberg, Koblenz, Cologne, Amsterdam. So a lot of these sort of medium-sized German, Bavarian, cute, little half-timbered sort of places, which obviously American tourists, they, they fall in love with them instantly. Basically, uh, I'm directing the program, yeah, uh, which means taking care of outside entertainment and so on and so on. But in most places, I'm also taking the people out and go, go on walking tours with them to show them around the city. So um, it's this combination of things that 
maybe in the morning I will do a walking tour of some German town. And then in the evening, I'm just sitting maybe at my desk and answering questions and helping out, you know, with ideas on what museum to visit or things like that. And then in the evening, maybe we have some entertainment, could be a karaoke night, could be a quiz night, whatever, you know. And we, uh, what I personally enjoy a lot is that I am working together with colleagues. That I'm not just one guy in charge of the whole thing, but there's several of us. And of course, we can relate, we can talk and we become friends. So it's quite nice. What about uh, the future of these cruise lines? Because, well, like they, as you said, they're mostly North Americans. So people from Canada and people from the United States. Um, at the moment, it doesn't look like uh, these citizens are going to come over to Europe anytime soon. Yeah, or, so, or uh, we won't let them in. <laughs> we won't let them in for, for a while. Um, yeah, Slovakia being the poster child of, of Europe's uh, um, yeah pandemic efforts. How do you see your f- future? Of course, you're completely occupied with your kid at the moment, which is very understandable. But at some point, you're going to have to get back to work. W- what kind of work do you see yourself doing? Well, that's a very good question, which I think is on all of our minds right now. And I would say, as tour guides... Uh, of course, the tourism industry just got wiped out pretty much. It doesn't exist at the moment. So we have plenty of time to sit at home and think about the future. So what do I think? Well, first of all, the cruise lines, um, not all of them t- are tailored towards uh, North American guests. There are some which are for the German-speaking market, and they are already uh, starting to talk about opening up and having some cruises maybe in summer just in Germany and in Austria, you know, for those kind of for, for, for the German speaking people. Uh, in terms of what I would do in the future, I do think that something like my Green Hat tours, where we go out and explore the great outdoors, could be maybe something which recovers uh, earlier than something like uh, visiting um, crowded cities on a, well, what is basically a floating tub full of germs which is what a cruise ship is uh, it's not it's, it's it's one of the worst kind of environments you could find yourself in on a, during a pandemic i think uh so maybe those those uh, people will be a bit more cautious when ordering cruises but maybe they will be more interested in something like hey let's go for a hike um so i would uh, like to explore uh, this kind of thing with, uh, a bit more which um I honestly, I'm looking forward to that because I've been doing a lot of cruising and it's a fun job, but it can be very, very tiring. Yeah, you are there for two weeks at least. Maybe these cruises, they, they, they even have extensions on either side. It could be even up to three weeks. You are working every single day and uh, yeah, it can it can be difficult. So uh, if you contrast that with just uh, going for a hike, <laughs> that's much less stressful. So I would I would be looking forward to something like that. I was uh, thinking just when you mentioned something, um, and, and I don't know if you if you have a specific answer to this, but um, I know that especially with the big sea cruise liners, there's a lot of talk now about the sustainability of it in the environmental impact. Is that something that these sort of smaller cruise liners in 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 the rivers? Um, yeah, is, is there talk among these companies that 
that will have to change at some point. Are they having such an environmental impact as well? Um, yeah, how, how, how do you chat among that with your colleagues or maybe even the companies you work for? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, you might guess from me naming my company Green at Tours that I, I am also concerned about environmental issues. They, they are close to my heart. And yes, indeed, those big, big ocean cruise liners, they are terrible for the environment. I mean, just big ships in general. I, I've read somewhere, I'm not sure if this is true, that uh, the 10 biggest oil tankers um, produce more pollution than all of the cars in the world combined. Uh, so if that is really true, then wow, <laughs> those ships are pretty bad. And of course, the big cruise liners, which fit thousands of people on them, they are pretty wasteful as well. Um, from what I've heard, there have been scandals of them going into these international waters and just dumping stuff in there and, you know, just all sorts of shenanigans. And yeah, I do think this is a, um, a discussion we need to have about how do we make these things less damaging to the environment, because at some point it's just going to become what's the point of cruising to all these beautiful tropical islands if they're just covered in dirt and <laughs> and, uh, and uh, sewage and things like that. Uh, the smaller river ships, I mean, they're much smaller, so by extension, they're not nearly as destructive to the environment than uh, the big ones. Yeah, Like I said, the small ship has maybe 200 people on it, including crew, uh, the river cruise ship. Of course, they still have big engines, they make some noise, and they do some pollution as well. It's not nearly as bad as the big ones. Um, I haven't heard too much talk about the environmental impact of these things. I'm hearing actually more talk about a related issue, sort of, because there's so many of them, which is the issue of over-tourism. Yeah, for example, when you get to Amsterdam, and uh, it's one of these places which is just so full of tourists, that um, yeah, it's becoming impossible to actually do a walking tour over there, and even the cities themselves, which are affected by 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 su such masses of tourists arriving, they, um, they 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 start to say, okay, this area is off limits; it's too crowded, and so on. And um, sometimes in some places you can see a little bit of hostility from the local population because if you think about it, it we don't really contribute anything there uh, because. We arrive by ship, we sleep on the ship, we eat on the ship. Then we bring this full shipload of people into town and they're taking pictures, they're standing in the way. They don't buy that much, really. We can maybe a souvenir, maybe a coffee here. Uh, so some of these cities, they um, actually have a bit of a problem with that. Like two years ago, there was problem. there was a problem with low uh, water levels in the rivers and we couldn't pass certain places. So uh, ships started getting stuck. And for example, the port of Mainz in Germany just became so crowded with these cruise ships, which got stuck there, that people started forming human chains and uh, were refusing to let these people off the ship because they were just saying, <laughs> we are sick of you guys. It's too many. It's too much. Uh, go away. And so this is an issue which exists and it's a booming business. I mean, it was, <laughs> not now. Uh, but every year we would see more and more uh, ships on the rivers. So at some point you even run out of docking spots. So uh, eventually some, something uh, has to has to give. Yeah. Do you think it will change the, the once people are going to sort of be traveling again? Do you think they're just as easily going to go on these cruise liners again? <sighs> that is really the $1 million question, isn't it? 
Um, honestly, I have no idea. I have no idea what will happen because from my perspective, I would think that people are going to be more cautious and as such maybe uh, be less inclined to uh, go on a cruise. Um, but at the same time, when I look at the amount of people who are saying that we are overreacting to the pandemic or maybe even going further that <laughs> it doesn't exist, I've seen those people too. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's the same in Germany. Uh, so then I can, I could see just those people who, after having been, so to say, locked up for so long, they're just going out and, and, and doing whatever, just getting away from it all. So could go either way, really. Um, maybe it will come down to the economics of the whole thing. <laughs> just that, that the economy is going to be hit pretty bad as well. And uh, yeah, maybe let's say as an example, our company, we are, marketing exclusively to U.S. residents. And let's say all of these people, they have a lot of money in their retirement funds in the stock market. And if the stock market goes down, they're not going not gonna to come on cruises anymore. So, so I do have my concerns um, uh, about river cruising in particular, that it might be one of the parts of the industry which is going to rebound last. Yeah, but at the same time, yeah, you can. I can always do something else. <laughs> well, Michael, uh, or Michael. <laughs> oh, Michael, that was excellent. I want to. <laughs> I want to thank you so much um, for talking to me and sharing your perspectives on on how tourism is going and uh, specifically the cruise liners in Slovakia. Um, I um, hope that you have some more wonderful months with your kid. And that at some point uh, things will pick up again. But for now, I just want to thank you so much uh, for this conversation. Well, thank you very much, Walter. It's uh, It's been fun. I hope it's going to provide you with decent material for another podcast episode. Appreciate, appreciate it, Michal. And uh, speak soon. Yeah, let's talk soon. Ciao. That was Michal Neerschleba from Bratislava with the quite optimistic slogan, I can always do something else. It was really interesting to hear from somebody that's actually working on board one of these cruise ships, as it is such a different way of working than just doing guided tours of your hometown. You have to know so many more places, do guided tours all along the route, and of course you're on call almost 24-7 for your guests. The cruise ship industry has come under fire for its polluting nature, both environmental as social pollution, of which Michael was speaking earlier, but it's not hard to see why many people would want to go on one of these cruises. I mean, it's really laid back. You see a whole bunch of different places. Everything you need for your entire holiday is floating around with you. And especially if you're not that mobile anymore, it's a super convenient way to travel. But the convenience comes at a cost, as described in Christopher de Belegue's long read that he wrote for The Guardian called The End of Tourism. I quote, Tourism is an unusual industry in that the assets it monetizes, a view, a reef, a cathedral, do not belong to it. The world's dominant cruise companies pay little towards the upkeep of the public goods they live off. By incorporating themselves in overseas tax havens with benign environmental and labor laws, the cruising industry's big three, which account for three quarters of the industry, get to enjoy low taxes and avoid much irksome regulation, while polluting the air and sea, eroding coastlines and pouring tens of millions of people into picturesque ports of call that often cannot cope with them." End quote. 
If you want to read more about this, I put the link to this article in the show notes. Now, Michael runs his own tour company called Green Hat Tours, a company that focuses mostly on hikes into the great Slovakian outdoors. It has been dormant for about three years, but Michael is thinking about reviving the brand. As always, you can find links to his site in the show notes as well. On Friday, we're back with Ramzi Salsa from Bet Sahur, a city near Bethlehem in Palestine. By the way, we are only 50 Palestinian guides who are allowed to guide in Israel. No more. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork is by Cece White. Georgia Riungu is our social media monster. Speak soon, my friends. What is basically a floating tub full of germs, which is what a cruise ship is.